evening and welcome to Unwinding with Tynia. This evening we have real estate investor Ken Hendrington. And this evening we're going to discuss about real estate and learn some more things about commercial real estate, residential real estate, and what is real estate really all about. Welcome, Ken. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. So first of all, you're an investor. We just like to hear some information about your role as an investor and some background about yourself. Absolutely. So I would, I would take it back to when I was younger in my teens. My dad and then his dad before him were real estate investors. So I grew up in investing in real estate, you know, all the way from investing in single family properties to developing single family homes and multi-unit complexes um, over the past 15 plus years that we've done it. So that's where I got my, my roots in it was basically from family. Wow, that's amazing. So you say that your dad, he was your inspiration. And Absolutely. Wonderful. Let's talk about that, the relationship with you and your dad, because it's always good to hear how parent and child are able to learn from each other and be inspired, because I believe that your initial role models are your parents, because everything starts in the home. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. And to answer your question, you know, my father and I, our relationship has obviously developed from birth, but has gotten so much stronger through um, our business relationship through real estate. I was able to become a sponge, uh, for lack of better words, and soak up all the knowledge that he was giving me. So, you know, over time, I would say that because he was so hard on me and so tough, it gave me the ability to learn how to do the real estate business well, but also learn how to be a man. It, uh, and that really right. kind of felt, you know, and that really kind of propelled me to excel in anything that I did. It, you know, with my father, it didn't matter if it was real estate or if I was in corporate America, he just wanted me to do it well. That's amazing. And it speaks volume of the relationship that you have with your father, that you were able to emulate everything that he was sharing with you, whether it's parenthood, occupation, but it was someone that you admired and that you were able to grow. Absolutely. Okay. And what's your dad's name? We have to give him a shout out here. Absolutely. So, uh, my, his name is Orlando. We actually, I have two first names and I happen to carry his as my other. So Orlando Hedrington is my father's name. Okay. Well, shout out to your dad and we thank him for bringing you into this world and being a positive role model in your life. Most definitely appreciate the, the first part of that, bringing me into this world for certain. Yes, yes. Okay, so let me ask you, when you first got into real estate, was that something that you were interested in? Was it easy for him to guide you into learning about real estate or were you resistant at any point? Absolutely, so my father worked for the city of Fresno. We're from Fresno, California. 
And okay. uh, unfortunately, due to a work accident, you know, he was put in a position where it was going to leave, either leave him extended period out of work or he needed to find something to do. And so real estate was something that he took a chance on. And I remember young, as a young child that my mom was worried about, is it going to work out? You know, full-term entrepreneurship is very difficult, especially when you have a family to feed. So right. you know, my dad was able to make it happen and make it work. And I watched him build a real estate empire just off that drive of I need to take care of my family. So I've always seen it. So I never had any opposition towards it. I saw that it was able to put us through school, you know, right. have a comfortable life, you know, be able to go on vacations and things of that nature. But the most important thing that real estate allowed, excuse me, was allowed or afforded my father to do was be able to be around for my brothers at all the sporting events, all the schooling things. It gave them the flexibility right. needed. So it was very easy for me to get into real estate uh, from his example. That is very good. And you brought up sporting events and that's nothing. I mean, that's the most thing that a child wants is to see their parent there cheering them on. Yeah. You know, hey, you're doing a great job. Um, you're going to win, you know, just play to win. And if you win the game or not, just to know that the parent is there cheering you on, that does a lot for a child's self-esteem. It does. It does. That is good. And it's good for the listeners to know about the relationship between father and child, you know, you and your father and how the inspiration started from home and... He was there for you and he's still an important figure in your life. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to make sure that I, I know that answer kind of had two parts. Did I get did I get all that answer, that question answered, or, or is there yes. some parts that I left out? Okay, perfect. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Very good. Okay, let's talk about your role in the real estate as an investor. Absolutely. Um, I will start out with, you know, some of the things that I do. So what obviously, you know, most people think is of real estate investing is HGTV, right? So you get a house, have a massive budget, you flip it, you sell it, you make a bunch of money, but there's so much more to it, right? So I'll take back to, you know, where I started, you know, I started invested in single family homes. I still do to this day. Okay. So, you know, I'll find, you know, I'll acquire a property. How do I do that? Um, whether it's, you know, unfortunately homes are foreclosed and that may be an avenue uh, or, you know, you've seen the signs, we buy houses or we buy ugly houses, commercials that you may see. Right. Maybe there's some yes. houses that are boarded up that I try to track down that way. So what essentially what I do is I try to find some homes that may, may be in a need of a little bit of TLC. Okay. And so... You know, what we'll do is, you know, we'll find those owners, we'll negotiate a price, we'll purchase a property, and then we'll begin to rehab it. And so, of course, I'm giving a high level overview, but essentially, you know, to answer your question, I invest in single family. If there's any multi-unit family uh, apartments out there that, you know, the numbers fit right, you know, I'm able to put myself in that position as well. But really my bread and butter, really kind of what I do well is just in the single family space. I see. So it doesn't matter what condition the home is and how would you decide which, how, how much work you would have to put into the home? 
Absolutely, that's a great question. That's a great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it is a. It takes time. So I would I would say some of the. I think it's important for your listeners to know that like there's times where I've gotten it wrong in my earlier years. You get things wrong. You over. You underestimate the amount of home. Uh, amount of rehab that needs to go into a home. So for example, I will go back to my first real estate deal. Um, it was a home that was built in the 50s. And okay. I know I know this now, but if a home that was built in the 50s um, and I was, we we're in the 2000s at that point, there's most likely some, maybe some foundational issues or some plumbing issues that you want to rectify. I mean, it's, you know, right. before in the 2000s, it's over 50 years, you might want to look at those things. And so I didn't, you know, think about the the condition the house was in or the age of the house. You know, things wear okay. in your house, nothing stays new. So my first, I would say one of my first mistakes was, and what I would hope other people don't do is take into consideration how old the house is and consider all the parts that go into a house. A plumbing is one of the main things. And so I just undershot it by right. a couple thousand but that could blow your budget out, especially if you undershot on other areas as well. So that's just something um, that I would say. And then to answer the other question is, um, how do I know what goes into it? It's honestly a lot of practice. So I know my contractors in over repetition, I know how much it takes to fix a home. And so to any new investor that wants to get out there, what I started doing, honestly, I would call up you know, some contractors and, and have them come out and do a bid. They're offering free right. bid. You know, hey, okay. how much would you charge me to do this? And over time, you know, those numbers don't don't vary too much unless it's lumber. And, you know, lumber now is through the roof a little bit. But nonetheless, things pretty much stay the same. So I, I got right. out there and I started, I started asking for new bids on different things. And over time, I remembered, oh, that's going to cost about X, Y, Z. And then if I mm. didn't know... Uh, Tony, if I didn't know, what I would do is I would say, hey, I'm not sure. I'm going to add a couple thousand to this budget just in case right. something goes wrong. So right. that's how I would do that. That's good. So you always have something extra because you don't know. It may be something else that you may need to fix and you didn't calculate that into your spending. So you still be able to do whatever, whatever is necessary to be done. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Very good. All right. I wanted to ask, what's the difference in real estate when you're talking about commercial property versus homes? Absolutely. So I'll go back to my my um, my finance expertise. I was in the business lending and consumer lending for a while. So. Okay. Per, base, per bank standards and lending standards, anything with four doors or less is considered residential. Okay. Anything, anything with five doors or more is considered commercial. Um, in the real estate, in the real estate realm, I really deal with the multi-unit apartment complex. So obviously, okay. there's more than there's more than five doors, um, or there should be more than five doors. But I've also dealt with you know, four plexes and three plexes and things of that nature that still okay. fit in that residential space. I see. That's good to know because, you know, I, you hear a lot about people getting involved into real estate and then they say, well, we're, I'm just gonna buy this house and I'm going to flip it 
and get something else. And then you'll hear others who will say, well, they don't deal with the residential properties at all. They'd rather do commercial properties um, on a different scale. How lucrative is it in terms of, well, an investor going into it to flip a home or to get something that's a a multi-unit? Absolutely. Another great question. So let's let's tackle the single family. Thank you. I, I think I've got to get into real estate, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you might you might need to. So let's tackle <laughs> let's tackle the first question. So how okay. lucrative is for a single family home? And that comes a lot of things factor into it. So we'll okay. start with how much did you acquire the property for? Did you acquire it at a discount? Mm-hmm. Um, that can help um, when it comes to the ARV, which is after repair value. So what happens in a single family home, you're going to put the amount of money you think is going to give you that after repair value. And that after repair value is essentially what you want to list it for. And then of course, people know how the listing works is where, you know, other people bid for that house and you may or may not get your listing price. So depending on how lucrative is, it depends on how much margin you gave yourself when you negotiated the deal per how much money you had to put into the property. And then lastly, lastly, what a lot of people don't think about is the holding time. How long did you have to hold the property for? You know, security costs, insurance costs, hard Mm -hmm. money lender, uh, interest interest charges that happen um, over time while you're holding that property. So, you know, most people want to, most people want to try to turn around a property, you know, in about three months, but sometimes, you know, depending on if your property was listed correctly, it could sit on the market for some time, maybe not in this market, but I remember there's been times where I've had properties sit on the market because they were poorly priced. So, Mm, okay. So you're loop being the fact that it's lucrative, you can make some money to sum it up. You can make some money if you negotiated a good price, you put in a good amount of work where you added value to the property. And then of course it sells at or better than what you listed it for us on the single family space. And so Okay. I'm on the commercial sorry, go ahead. Hold on to the the next thought for the second part of the question. So for example, when there's um property for sale. So when the seller says we put a new roof in, um, a new air conditioning, so that's going to raise the value of the home. Well, that's a you've been asking amazing questions. So let me <laughs> tackle that. Let me tackle that for a question. There's a lot okay. of things that happen on a home that you would think raises value, but it doesn't because it's not seen. An AC uh. unit. Okay. And HV, HVAC unit doesn't, it's not seen, but it, so it doesn't necessarily add value to the end buyer. You know, you okay. need to do it. You know, you right. need to do it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to add value. A roof is kind of one of those same things. It gets advertised a lot. Yes, there's a new roof on it, but we also know no one's going to sell a house with a shoddy roof. You know, exactly. it doesn't yeah. necessarily raise the value. What raises value is, for example, if you take, uh, if you took a two bedroom, ba- mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, a two bathroom, and you created another bathroom, um, that creates oh. value. Or okay. you added another, added another bedroom, or the floor is not carpet; it's wood. 
Um, okay. You know, different things like that within the house add value because you can actually see it. So there's a lot of right. things in the single family home that you may have to fix, like you may have to fix framing and you know, you're taking out a wall and things of that nature that somebody right. like plumbing, for example, you have to do those things, but you can't go to a client and say, hey, I put new plumbing in, so I raised the, the value of $5,000. They're like, but you need to do that. That That's, you have, you can't have a house with no plumbing. So, right. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question. It does, it does. It's, so what I'm hearing is that if it's a new, um, air conditioning system, a new roof, it's okay because it's gonna be documented. However, if you go in and you and everything is, you have new floors, you have, um, everything has been updated. All of your appliances are updated. So that's something that's visual. And they'll look in there and say, wow, look at these floors, look, you know, the staircase. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So they're going to look at the HVC unit and they're going to say, oh, is this brand new or is this old? But they're not going right. to say, oh my gosh, this is the nicest HVAC unit I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay you $20,000 over asking price just because of this. <laughs> okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. So it tells our listeners what to look for um, when they're going into a home. Really? And so what I'm thinking now is let's, I just want to get back to the, the air conditioning and the roof. So say you're negotiating and you really want to change the price a little lower. And then the buyer can say, well, how old is this um, air conditioning? And if they say, well, it's, a year old or it's four years old so if it's four years old they'll say oh I, I was hoping that there was something more updated than that exactly exactly so you absolutely are explaining something that happens all the time okay. so as someone who has developed you know single family homes from the ground up you know, we don't, I don't necessarily have that problem because everything we put in there is new, but there's okay. been times where I've weighed the pros and cons of, hey, there's a pretty good AC unit and it's probably got about five, six years left of life based on standard, standard service levels. Mm -hmm. um, but you absolutely as a seller can use that as a negotiation. I'm like, hey, the roof, it's looking pretty okay. old. Would you consider reducing your cost so I can get this fixed? Right. Or, you know, or, you know, taking care of some of the closing costs so I can put this money towards the roof. That's a negotiation tactic that absolutely people who are looking to buy a home mm -hmm. should absolutely do. I mean, every, everyone does it. Right. Okay. Very good. All right. So the second part of the question. Yes. Uh, what's lucrative in commercial real estate? Is that correct? Yes. Yes. All right. So what I, my level of expertise is I'm not in the office building commercial space, but the residential commercial, like apartment called multi-level, multi-family home. So okay. essentially what we and my father did was we built an apartment complex and some townhomes and things of that nature. So what comes into play is what makes it lucrative is what can you continue to get for rent consistently? All right, so you don't, okay. 
So you don't want it have it too low and you don't want to have it too high. Too high for obvious reasons mean you can't rent the property. Right. Too low, you may attract the type of tenants that you necessarily don't want. But it's always rented. So there's a catch 22. So with our apartments, it's I think it's important for you know your listeners to know and people around the world to know as well is that we dealt heavily in Section 8. A lot of people have a lot of adverse reactions to Section 8 tenants. We do not. Okay. Um, okay. I grew up in those neighborhoods. I love those neighborhoods. I do not mind Section 8 tenants because honestly, mm-hmm. with those vouchers and the state and the government's always paid on time. Okay. Even during the pandemic, while people can't pay rent, we never had to to worry about our apartments and things of that nature because they were always getting paid on time. So one of the things that I learned about that was you always want to keep your rent right around the voucher, not too much more. Because the more more you get, you're you're going around trying to collect rent $100, $200 when it doesn't really make sense. It's not cost efficient. It's not time efficient. So Mm -hmm. um, it becomes, to get back to your base of your question, it becomes lucrative when you set the price at the correct level. Okay. All right. Now, property managers are key because they can, they have their finger on the pulse of the rental market and they know what these properties should be going for. So you want to get a property manager. Now, yes, that does cut into your bottom line, but when you're talking about residential residential apartment complexes, you're bought, you can't just take rent and then that's your profit. There's insurance that plays a fact, there's housekeeping, right. there's, you know, incidentals, you know, there's property managers, they cost a bit when you've got to evict people. And then there's a one line item that most people don't look at is there could be a time where your apartment complexes, a few units aren't occupied. So you need okay. to budget for that as well. So, you know, that's great advice. That, that's good. That's great advice. So, and so when you look at it, it's just more along the lines of what what's my bottom line going to look like? And that's going to be based upon how many units you have and, you know, all the things that I stated that I mentioned. So it can be lucrative over time. It's important to know that if you're fixing and flipping, you're looking for a decently quick profit. But if you're into the, if you're into the buy and hold, you're in it for the passive income. So you can't expect, um, I'm going to use a, you can't expect a fire hydrant out of a water hose when it comes to real estate. (laughs) Right. Great analogy. <laughs> so you're going to get that slow drip over time because mm-hmm. that's you're keeping it for the passive income piece of it. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. It does. And it's very informative to our listeners as well. That's great advice. Um, you said about the... the uh, who was the person that looks out for the homes? The property oh, manager? property managers yes the property manager is really crucial because they can drive past and see what's going on and making sure that the property should be the way that it is you know and good exactly so there's a couple of things that property managers play a role in okay now 
in our, we were a very small time. I like to consider ourselves that. So, you know, I would drive by and make sure the properties were in order, but the property manager came in because they handled all the rental agreements, they handled the evictions, and they handled the rent collection. Now, security and wondering if the property's okay is different from them. They may have a, they may have an arm in their business where they they offer that service. Okay. Uh, maybe some do, but you're usually going to outsource your security and making sure things are the way they should be to another another institution. I see. Okay, very good. But the property manager has a very important role. Exactly. Okay. All right. You've given us a lot of information on both commercial and residential. We're coming down to the end of our segment. And Ken, I'd like to know what advice or words of wisdom can you give to our listeners who have an interest in real estate in terms of investing um, or just seeking real estate, not only to invest, but just seeking? What advice would you have for those individuals? Absolutely. You've asked a lot of great questions that I think this one sums it up. So with with real estate, there's a lot of different ways to get in. Um, You know, I know that one of the the newer ways, not necessarily so new, people have been doing it for a while, is is called wholesaling. So essentially what this is, is it's a, a, a strategy where a person finds a buyer as if you were, you know, looking to buy it. You okay. would get it under contract at a price that you would you would assume to be a discount, okay? And so mm-hmm. you buy this property at a discount or you get this property under contract at a discount. Now, the important part about this contract is that it's an assignable contract. So it allows you okay. to assign your interest to another party. Okay, and so you assign your interest to another party for what's called an assignment fee. Okay, so so based on how you negotiated that property and what you can sell it to the end investor, meaning the person who's going to either buy it and hold it or buy it, fix and flip, depending on what those margins are, you can make a profit off of that. Now, I bring that up because a lot of people who are starting out in real estate to all the people who are very seasoned in real estate are doing this certain type of approach. It's just an exit strategy. But I like to see it as this is how you can get into real estate as well. So, you know, a lot of people that I, I talk to, that's how do you get in? Well, find right. a property, you know, you can you can utilize this strategy, make some money, and then you can go and use that money for a down payment on a you know, a buy and hold property, or maybe you get a few and then you want to go into fix and flip. It's just allows you to get your feet wet in the real estate industry. Um, And so it's just a strategy that I know is really popular, especially in the Atlanta area and really kind of all over the world. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, on my Instagram and I teach little, little snippets on how to do it, little tips and tricks for people who are trying to mm-hmm. learn it, just so they mm-hmm. learn it the right, just so they learn it the right way, you know, because there's a lot of ways that, you know, this could be used incorrectly. Um, right. So I try to teach people the right way. Excellent. Wow. Thank you so much, Ken. That was, you gave some great answers. You gave some great information 
to our listeners, is there a way that we can reach out to you? How can you be contacted? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm Antonio, I can give it to you in the show notes or anything like that. I can give my Instagram handle, my Facebook handle. They can follow me there. Okay. Uh, I try to post pretty consistently about just real estate topics. Um, right. So they, they're more than welcome to follow me there. Send me a direct message if they have any questions and I'm here to help. Okay. All right. Sounds great. All right. Can you give them your, um, your Instagram now? Absolutely. It's going to be at Ken Hedrington. So I'm sure my name will be there. Just add an at sign in front of it. And you right. can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Ken. It was wonderful having you this evening. And you've just been absolutely marvelous. So much information. We really thank you. And it's going to be great for our listeners. Absolutely. I love what you're doing, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate you. You're welcome. My pleasure. It's an honor having you. Okay. Listeners, we thank you for tuning in to Unwinding with Tanya. And you just heard the segment with Ken Hedrington, real estate investor. Thank you all. And we will see you in two weeks. Have a good evening.